How's your mulled wine? Delightful mulled wine. How is your mulled wine? Tried it yet. I guess we're about to find out, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so fruity and sweet. That's exactly what everyone wants to hear on Christmas Day. <laughs> That's so gross. I think, like, yeah, the summer version of mulled wine is sangria, isn't it? I've never had sangria, I don't think. Really? Mm. I think you'd quite like it. Probably would. Is it cold? It would be cold. You wouldn't want hot things in summer. Nice, lovely, hot sangria in Barcelona. <laughs> okay, let's kick things off. Hello and welcome to As It Comes, life from a musician's point of view. I'm Davina. I'm a freelance cellist based in London. And who is this? Hello. Hi there. How are we? Very well, thank you. So today I'm joined by Mark Lipsky. Mark is a double bass player. He's also my husband, which explains why he's in the same room as me right now. We're not breaking any tier rules by breaking bubbles or anything. So we are allowed to be sat on the couch next to each other recording a podcast. This episode is coming out on Christmas Day, and it's a strange Christmas this year for obvious reasons, 2020 and the pandemic and all of that, so we thought it'd be a nice idea that if you're craving a bit of company this year, maybe you're spending Christmas with fewer people than usual, or away from your loved ones, that you could spend Christmas with us. Yay! Yay! Merry Christmas! <laughs> so we call ourselves the Shimpskis. We don't really call ourselves the Shimpskis, but that was a name given to us by various friends i think we've taken it on we have taken it it on yeah so that's shum and lipsky mashed together and today we hope if you're listening to this on christmas day we hope to just slip into your headphones and keep you company the funny thing is though is that we're actually used to spending christmas in isolation because we're both from new zealand but living in london away from family and normal Christmas for us is sitting down and actually spending some time together. Orphan Christmas, as I've referred to it in the past. Which I guess you could say this whole year has been an orphan Christmas, really, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I've not seen my family this year during the pandemic, obviously. No, neither have I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember it was you used to say that Christmas Day for us was just like a weekend for normal people. Yeah, for normal people. Because I think, you know, BC, before coronavirus, we used to spend so many of our weekends working. You know, usually I'd be teaching on Saturday and you'd be doing something on Sunday. So actually having a whole day off together usually didn't happen on a weekly basis. No, that's true. So then Christmas times in the past have been us. Well, I remember in 2017, it was just a relief because we'd just gotten married three weeks beforehand. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) That was a mad time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it sort of felt like Christmas Day was December 4th, which was the day that we got married. And it felt like that was crazy because that was when we had all our friends and family all in one room. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And also because I think by the time Christmas actually happened, we were so knackered from A, planning a wedding <laughs> and B, dealing with our beloved family. You know, we hadn't had them all in one place for years. Yeah. It, but just think, that's like normal Christmas for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. a wedding every single yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> no, that exhausted me. We won't do it again. <laughs> no, I think as well. I mean, because I don't have a massive extended family, and I know you don't either. Mm. I think even you know, Christmas is when we were younger. We were never that sort of massive family thing. For me, it'd just be our immediate family, and you know, maybe one or two other relatives. Yeah, but there were never more than about seven or eight people in the room. I don't think. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, as you said, it's the same for me because my family back in New Zealand, there was just five of us for a time. And then none of my extended family live in New Zealand. And I guess you're all the same. I've got family in Hong Kong and, and the States. And mm. now my immediate family are everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> there's fewer of them in New Zealand than there are the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's the New Zealand contingent, but then Australia as well, and then Germany. And actually the last time we had a Christmas not being an orphan Christmas, was five years ago when we went to Germany. Oh, that was such a nice Christmas. <laughs> that was like proper family Christmas and like German Christmas as well. Yeah. Lots of mulled wine or Glühwein. Glühwein, which we're actually indulging in right now. Mm. So I'm drinking from a vessel that we picked up five years ago from the Esslingen Christmas market. Weihnachtsmarkt? Yeah. Sorry, Germans. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. that. I have no idea. Yeah, genau. And um, yeah, lots of lots of Glühwein. And then we were there because obviously my eldest sister lives in Stuttgart and she's married to a German, Jan. And so we spent Christmas with him and his extended family. And that was quite hilarious for us because we didn't speak the language and we just sat there nodding and saying, yeah, genau, for ages. <laughs> it was great because some of them didn't speak English. We speak very, very pidgin German. But they, it was like such a welcoming atmosphere anyway. Yeah. Even though sometimes, you know, like the, the dinner conversation would be all in German. And every now and then we'd pick up on some random phrase, like the one that you picked up on. Meine Auto ist kaputt. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. international. <laughs> I forgot about that. I was like, oh, your car. That's a your shame. Your broken. <laughs> yeah. Mine auto is <laughs> and then that I think that was the trip that we discovered that gloves was hand shoe. Oh yeah, mine are hand shoe. <laughs> Shoes for your hands. That was a great trip. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> well, when hopefully when we're all vaccinated, mm. uh, we can <laughs> make the trip there again. But you're actually really lucky because you did get to go to Germany this year. Yeah. So I went to Germany in September, uh, end of September which was at the end of summer, and summer they'd been sort of gradually lifting lockdown. And we went because the piano player in my chamber group is from the north of Germany, mm -hmm. up near Denmark. So we went last year, and we were going to go again this year and do quite a few concerts. Can't remember exactly how many, uh, but we wound up only doing two. It was slightly nerve-wracking in the week or two beforehand because <laughs> we could see in the German government's website that uh, they had the list of places where you're not allowed to come from. Because mm. of, you know, where coronavirus is getting worse. And so I think it started a couple of weeks beforehand with Ireland, and then Ireland and Wales, and then Ireland and Scotland <laughs> and Wales. And you could see their band list creeping down the country. So we thought, we just need to make it to Friday. If we get out on Friday, <laughs> then we're fine. <laughs> and you made it. Yeah, we made it. It was great. Um, so we did one concert near where she lives, and then we did another concert in her town itself. Mm -hmm. uh, lives in kind of small sort of village. Yeah. Uh, up the north of Germany. And actually, because she's sort of like the town's golden girl, they actually asked <laughs> us to put more concerts on <laughs> because they, you know, they could only fit, I think, 40-something people in the venue because of, yeah. of uh, COVID distancing. Mm -hmm. The day before, I think, we decided to do like a little lunchtime mini recital. But that was great because that was the first time I'd done live performance since like March. Yeah. I think. What was your last gig in March before everything got cancelled? The last gig actually was with the same group, with my chamber group. Of course. The Facilia Ensemble. Yes. So for long-time listeners, we've mentioned Facilia Ensemble before because we had the aforementioned golden girl of St. <laughs> Peter Orling. 
Elizabeth Strykert. I, I think I still know how to say her surname. <laughs> we call her Ellie. It's Ellie. So we've um, Ellie's been on the podcast before, and you can go back and listen to her in episode seven. Mm. This is episode thirty-six now. So that was like what was thirty episodes ago? Crazy. But anyway, as you were saying, what was I saying? You were saying your last concert before. Oh yes. All the things went wrong. Yeah, so my last concert was with the Facilia Ensemble with my chamber group in Reading. And we were supposed to be doing one shortly after that at Conway Hall in early April, I think. And then that got canned. Yeah. And actually, that's going to happen now. We're going to do it in January. We were hoping to have a live audience as well as having it live streamed. But I think it's pretty likely it's only going to be live streamed now. And you just have to be really lucky with your little windows of time when you can perform to live audiences like these days. Like the other week. Yes, exactly. That was in the sort of 10 days when they left in restrictions. <laughs> That's right. Lockdown was over and it was yeah. like, yes, tier two for 10 days. Then we went into tier three for two days or something. Yeah. And then now tier we're four in and... tier four, which is kind of another way of saying we're back in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What fun times. But I think it is worthwhile thinking of the positives of that because, you know, as you mentioned, the Conway Hall gig got canned in April. But it is going to happen again. It will. And I think, actually, this has made me treasure live performance so much more. I mean, because we are all so busy all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so busy. Uh, but we were, you know, we were really busy. Uh, and I think often you just do a concert because it was just a gig. Mm. Do the concert, go to the pub, go home. Yeah. And not really think of anything of it. But now... You kind of really treasure that, especially if it's a live live audience. You treasure that interaction with them, and yeah. you know maybe speaking a bit before you, you you play or whatever, or just just seeing seeing them react to music. Yeah, you know, in Germany in the lunchtime concert, we had one lady in the front row who had a little cry because it was the first time she'd seen mm. live music. Yeah, uh, since March made me think, oh, I have a little cry too. Oh. <laughs> I know. You don't realize how much you miss it until it's completely gone. I know that's such a cliched thing to say, but it's like when I did that chamber concert a couple of weeks ago and talking to members of the audience afterwards, you realize how much you're actually sharing that experience mm. with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in the past, maybe a lot of audience members, well, a lot of people would feel self-conscious that, oh, maybe, maybe I don't really know what to do at concerts and... I don't know what the etiquette is. and You know, people do have those insecurities with attending concerts. I think especially with classical music, mm. there's definitely still that kind of certain way you behave in a concert yeah. hall. But now I think because of the pandemic, because there's just no music at all. Yeah. You know, it's just a place just to be and just to appreciate. And surely that's enough because when it's taken away, you realize how significant it mm. is. Yeah. Yeah. But you're so lucky you got to go to Germany because I remember you were texting me saying things like, "Oh, I, I bought lots of Haribo, and yeah. <laughs> we're, we're having we're having drinks at a bar." And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we, almost like you had a little holiday going back and back to normal. Went to the pub, went out for dinner, did stuff that I think wasn't happening so much in London at that point. Do you know what I was doing that weekend? <laughs> Yes, but I've forgotten. <laughs> no, well, no, it's very, very general. I just spent most of it indoors with the cat. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if you were gone for a weekend, that's probably exactly what I would have done. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure you would have done done so in the past. But it was actually, it was actually really, really nice. <laughs> <laughs> but see, this is one of the ways we communicate. Like, you know, BC, if you're away for the weekend, I would be constantly sending you Romeo updates. <laughs> yes. And vice versa. Yeah. And then when I was in Germany, you flooded my, my, my WhatsApp with messages, yeah. photos of the cat. 
They're very much appreciated. Yeah, because I know that the Facilia Ensemble is full of cat appreciators. This is true. Yeah, yeah Romeo's a bit of a celebrity. Yeah, the assistant producer. He is the assistant Where producer. Is he? I don't know, actually. Oh, I saw him sleeping under the bed. He looked a bit like a shitty at being woken up. Can't blame him, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if you don't have to fund your own lifestyle... Especially when your lifestyle is of such leisure as his is. Then you don't need to get up out of bed. And you don't need to feel bad about that. Not that we should feel bad for lying in bed all day. No. That is, that is important. And I think that's one thing that this pandemic has really brought home. It's that it has been like so emotionally wobbly for so many people that I think people are finding a much better appreciation for just taking a day off. Mm-hmm. Even if you're spending it in the same bed that you were working from yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take your Not work- that I teach in bed. Oh, I just God. want to put that out there. <laughs> Don't take your work home with you. It's completely different meaning now, isn't it? Yeah. I think you're quite good at taking time off. I'm just quite good at being lazy. <laughs> that was like I a- think it's the- <laughs> that was a very polite way of putting that. No, 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 no. no. But like, I mean, for me, I will take exception to this week because I have taken time out of my very busy schedule of playing Zelda Breath of the Wild right now. But usually, like during the year, I can find it quite difficult to do nothing. And I think you're quite good at just... Do you mean you find time, do you mean you find it difficult carving out the time because you say yes to too many things? Or like when you have a day off, you just can't relax? Or a bit of both? Probably a bit of both nowadays there aren't many things to say yes to <laughs> yeah 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 no i know but yeah partly not knowing what to do when i've got lots of time i sure. think this is a problem that a lot of people had at the beginning of the pandemic because we're so used to running around and being so busy mm. and then all you know you had all these people like recording loads of stuff to put online to show like i'm still busy i'm still doing stuff i'm still creating stuff and that's like well I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's right or wrong or anything, but yeah. it's okay to not do any of that stuff yeah. as well. I think particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, people did a lot of that sort of thing because we didn't know how long it was going to go on for. Mm. We thought it might be like a couple of months, and then I think a lot of us wanted to try and be as visible as possible so that when things went back <laughs> in May, lol, uh, but when things went back in what we thought at the time would be a couple of months. We were still on the radar of, of other people and our friends and create other co-creators and that kind of thing. And also, particularly at that point as well, people had enough savings to live off. Mm. Whereas by the time you know summer started rolling around, people were realizing, A, that it was going to go on a lot longer, and B, they were running out of money. Yeah. So I think that's part of the reason why that sort of thing has dropped off. No. In some ways, I suppose. But there are some people starting up new business ventures and stuff. Yeah, of course. You know, like things yeah. that aren't necessarily to do with music, but just finding a new thing that they can make money. And even I think the ones that are, you know, music related or related to what we did before COVID, um, they tend to be more long term oriented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than sort of like, you know, putting up a new acapella video every couple of days. Oh, yeah. I, I just, I, uh, a little internal cringe, but it's just because. For me, I think that's my, I've said this before, but I really think that would be my worst nightmare. <laughs> Seven divinas all on one screen. <laughs> oh, that's, that's too many. <laughs> one is enough. But I mean, the I feel like the people who have had really good success with those have really focused on quality and they've mm. really focused on their arrangements, made sure that it's really, really good and they've executed it really well. 
I just don't see the point of doing it just because you think everyone else expects you to. I miss playing with other people. So I'm going to play with myself. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> yeah. I've done a few like 30 second videos on the free version, mainly just for fun. But I think it's just something that's more for me to muck about with. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I have seen some really excellent ones out there. And I mean, some of them are still coming out. I watched one today of a 17 versions of this one American bass player doing uh, Sugar Plum Fairy from uh, Nutcracker. From Nutcracker. <laughs> and that was quite good. He was like a whole orchestra, but on one double bass. Oh my yeah. gosh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Could you hear anything? Was it quite grumbly? No, it was good. Also harmonics and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of keeping ourselves busy... I think we're quite lucky that we have managed to keep afloat this year because we have managed to have some income yes. throughout the pandemic in the form of teaching. Yes. How's that been for you? Yeah. So before, you know, towards the end of last year, I had been feeling like I was doing more teaching than I wanted to be doing. Mm. You know, I love my teaching, but I also love my playing and the balance wasn't quite right. Uh, fortunately, I didn't give any of it up. Mm-hmm. Which was excellent timing because then COVID happened. Yeah, like I did. Yeah. I put a whole lot of teaching in December. Well, I have other friends as well who their playing careers were just sort of taking off, gave up all their teaching and like like you did in September, um, had a few months of of great performing and then nothing. Yeah. So I think I was lucky that I was just cautious enough to hang on to it yeah. for the moment. You know, it, I was starting to think about maybe giving some of it up, but I hadn't reached saturation point yet. Yeah. I guess that's the thing with double bass teaching in particular. This is something that you brought my attention to once that I literally never thought of before. And for me, I tend to get frustrated with things I just don't like and I want to quit. <laughs> like, I don't like teaching this child. Maybe <laughs> someone else wants to teach this person. But as a double bass player, you have to be, you, you can't really be picky, can you? Because uh, Finding know. students can be a challenge. Yeah. Recruitment can be a challenge. And, and most years, at, at least a couple of the schools I work at, I'll go into the classrooms of, you know, New Year 7s or whatever and, and do some demonstrations to try and drum up students. Yeah. And actually, and yeah, Two of my schools is also on the endangered instrument scheme, which Aww. means that the the lessons are free, and I think the kids get to take a bass home. Um, and when possible, they try and do stuff like uh, they have one bass at home that they just leave there, and then mm-hmm. they have another bass at school that they have their lessons on. Oh wow! So yeah. that they're not put off by the faff of having to take a double bass to and from school on the bus, yeah. which I admit is is a faff. That's um, well, that's really yeah. Start them off on the right foot. Although yeah. that's that's. Luxury, isn't it, having two instruments? It is. It is. <laughs> and not all schools can afford to do that. But yeah, so recruiting students has always been a bit of a challenge. So it's it's quite, I'm always quite reluctant to give it up, mm. you know, to give up teaching that I have. Because you've kind of, yeah, you've worked really hard to get those students and you have to maintain those connections with them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's really nice. I've got students that I started in year seven who are now in year, in year 13 looking at, you know, going to university and they're not, this one particular one's not doing music, but she's like, oh, I think I'm going to have to buy a double bass because I won't be able to take the school one with Aww. me and I want to play in the university orchestra when I go. <laughs> it's just, it's really nice. It's really nice. I mean, teaching is definitely just one of those things. You only get out what you put in. Yes, you know? very much. And so I think sometimes I do get a bit frustrated with some students, but it's the, I suppose it's the same on their end as well. If they're not putting much in themselves, then I'm not going to put much in either. You know, when you get those bratty kids that don't practice. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got some of them. Yeah. But when you get those 
students that really work hard and you can see the results week after week, it makes you want to be a better teacher. Exactly. I think. And even if you know that they're not going to get a job in the LSO, as long as they're making progress and they're enjoying it and they're getting something out of it, that makes you want to put something into it to foster their enthusiasm for it to whatever degree they want to take it to. Exactly. Because they might, yeah, as you say, may not join the LSO or whatever, Mm. but they are hopefully going to be future audience members. Yeah, 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 exactly. For when we can never go and watch a concert again. Yeah, what are these live concerts you keep mentioning? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and also the kids themselves, you know, they want to do it, hopefully they want to do it because they enjoy it. Yeah. Like the one I mentioned before, she really wants to keep playing in a university orchestra. Yeah. You know, I think she finds it quite relaxing. Mm. Um, <laughs> relaxing. I know, yeah. <laughs> Having gone through music college, it's not always relaxing. <laughs> relaxing, put her in front of like Chike 4 or something. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think it's really important that kids learn that success doesn't come immediately. And I think that, I mean, with the kids that I felt really frustrated with, they were the ones that just expected results. And you could tell that they were brought up in families where the parents expected that as well. And they, yeah. you know, they'd be like, well, I'm paying this money for so-and-so to have their cello lesson, but they're not making any progress. It's like, well, they need to practice. Like, well, they can't because they're doing lacrosse and chess and, and <laughs> yeah. a thousand other clubs. And, and why isn't she getting better at playing the cello in her cello lesson? Mm. It's like, well, it doesn't work that way. There's you know? nothing like learning a musical instrument for teaching the value of persistence and patience. Yeah. You know, you don't have to practice six hours a day to get better. But you just have to do a little bit every day and you will get better. Yep, chip away. Yeah, chip away, exactly. I can't think of the number of times that I've said to my students, don't do three hours practice a day before your lesson. Do 15 minutes each day and it will wind up to the same amount. But, you know, just that's a much better way of learning. You'll hurt yourself if you play the double bass for that long. (laughs) Three (laughs) hours in one day. (laughs) But I do remember that, actually, because when I was studying at Sydney Con where you studied as well, mm. and we both did the research masters, mm. oh, where we had to write a thesis each. <laughs> mm. Academia. But anyway, my thesis supervisor said words that I'll never forget, and, and it's really useful to apply to other disciplines as well, which is, as I mentioned before, just chip, a- chip away. And I, uh, Chip away, just chip away. You know, <laughs> you're not going to write your thesis in one day. Not at all. Just aim for 10 minutes a day. And then some days you won't be able to write anything, but at least you've sat there for 10 minutes. Then other days, you know, you might have worked for three hours and that'll make up for all the times that you didn't write anything. Just wondering, what's your favorite accent to impersonate? <laughs> well, <it's> only, <laughs> like, I can't do that many. <laughs> no, it's true though. And you can tell the students who want to get better because they listen to you and you can tell that they've done a little bit every day. Mm. And that's nice. <laughs> That is that is nice. Wise words. <laughs> we could talk long into the night about online teaching and all of that. How has that been for you, especially given that you're not teaching just the double bass, but you're also teaching a bit of cello as well? <laughs> yep. Online teaching has basically been f- fine. I had some misgivings at the beginning, but I think that's because everything was in such a state of flux. All the schools were suddenly transitioning to online teaching, you know, at a couple of weeks' notice, I think. And so each school kind of had its own way of doing things and platforms that you use. And so I think it was a little bit rocky at first. But, you know, after you'd been doing it for a couple of weeks, it was fine. You sort of develop ways of 
getting around the things that you would normally take two seconds in a lesson. Like, for example, you can't just lean over and write something in someone's oh, yeah. music. So you have to make sure that they have a pencil mm. or they have a family member who can get them a pencil and that they write stuff in. Yeah. And I did a lot more things like sending them photos of my part so that they could see where I'd put the bones in. Um, That's a good idea. You know, there's all those kind of little things to work through. Tuning the instrument <laughs> is the one tricky thing. No, no, That's no. one thing that I hate having to teach in person, uh, and it's much worse having to do it online. Yeah. I think especially if the child is small, I've got some small students, you know, very young students, and sometimes they have to get the adult, and actually the adults can be harder to teach than the children can yeah. be. Yeah, no, for sure. Because <laughs> I, mean, I had that for the first time a few weeks ago, as, as you know. Mm. <laughs> I was texting you <laughs> in the other yeah. room about it. <laughs> Rage. Oh, the C string slipped. And then but I think it's difficult because you're also teaching them not only the mechanics of how a string is attached to an mm. instrument, but also having to really quickly train them as to what note they should be listening out for. So it's totally dependent on how well their oral skills uh, have developed. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true. It's like, is it higher or is it lower? Have you gone too high? You've gone too high. Can you hear that? You've gone too high. You've Please gone- don't snap the string. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you've gone too low. It's all floppy. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't help that sometimes kids are playing on hired instruments, which are not easy to tune. Yep. Slippy pegs. Slippy pegs or fine tuners on cellos which don't move at all. So you basically have to use the pegs to get it in tune, which is, again, bad enough for me trying to, let alone trying to get a kid to do it on the other end of a dodgy internet connection. And you actually can't do anything. When they say, it won't turn anymore, or it's stuck, you're like, well... Great. Like, I, I, I actually can't do anything. I am on the other side of London. Today we'll, we will be learning about scordatura. <laughs> yeah. Let's do a music theory lesson Let's today. talk about atonal harmonies. <laughs> Let's have a, a lesson on rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> Although there are some really useful YouTube videos out there. Because I had, yes, because yeah. I had one student that was missing an A string. And sure. I was like, I don't know. What, missing the whole string? Yeah, it was a complicated thing where it was she'd left her instrument at school, but she went got sent home to isolate sure. and was using her dad's cello, which, and her, no which no didn't have an A string. And he was like, don't really know how to put it on. And I was like, here's a YouTube video. <laughs> you can learn anything from YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you really can. This is how I learn everything, yeah. you know, especially setting up a podcast. Oh, yeah. Using GarageBand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very, very good. Have you had a mince pie? You haven't had a mince pie yet. I just took a bite of mince pie and have inadvertently ingested a little bit of my hair. I do like a Christmas mince pie, but probably not the best food for a podcast because now everything is stuck together. It is quite gluey. Yeah. Glutinous. (laughs) Glutinous. But so delightful. Did you ever have mince pies for Christmas in New Zealand? Yeah, we had them. I remember when I was a kid, I was always kind of confused by them because <laughs> I associate mints with like... Meat. Hamburger meat. Oh, I know. And so they even call it mince meat, even though there's no meat, it's just fruit. Yep. And I spent a long time thinking, wow, I didn't know that minced beef could taste so sweet and delicious <laughs> because I didn't realize that I wasn't actually eating raw hamburger. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, so gross. I mean, I had exactly the same thought processes as a kid. It's like, why on earth would you put mince meat and dessert but also i wasn't that surprised because i thought if it's an english thing they probably would do something like that (laughs) what was we saw in bake off the other week suet pudding oh that looked gross that did 
I remember Prue talking about it and, how, you know, she's 80-something and how she was a treasured memory from her childhood. <laughs> and I was like, yes, back in the Victorian era. Yeah, it looks so gross, <laughs> didn't it? I mean, I appreciate she's probably got very sentimental memories attached mm. to that. But, I mean, like, they cut into it and then it just sort of dissolved into a pool of liquid. And it was also uh, had a huge proportion of animal fat. Yes, to it, didn't it? Which did chemical things when they baked it and made it harder. I mean, I think the main reason was because it was a difficult thing to make rather than because they would be making the world's most wonderful dessert. <laughs> yeah. I've never tried one. I'll try anything once, but it didn't look delightful <laughs> I, on the it telly. It didn't look really fun to make either. But I guess that's Bake Off, isn't <laughs> that's it? That's point. Because, yeah, you're watching it and vicariously just feeling really stressed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all the bakers. <laughs> Sweating more than the people on TV. It doesn't help the music as well. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Timpani roll, <laughs> ominous. So ominous. But, like, we got really into it this year. We really did. I mean, it's not surprising because there wasn't much else going on in October <laughs> or November. Also, like, those lucky bastards, they're outside. <laughs> yeah, it did look quite pleasant. I mean, I, I, I wasn't envious of them when they had to, what, bake ice cream. <laughs> bake oh, ice God, cream. yeah, make... that's right, because they had some ridiculously hot days in the tent, didn't they? Exactly, yeah. They mm. had to construct ice cream towers or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and it, was like... it was like 45 degrees <laughs> inside the tent. <laughs> yeah, and then they all hid in freezers and cried. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's great television, but I would never want to be on it. Oh, it'd be so stressful. Even, if I, you know, even if I loved baking, I just wouldn't want to go on Bake Off. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to love it and then some, wouldn't you? Because you'd have to... You'd have to be prepared for the experience to kill your love of it, mm. if it was particularly traumatic. Yeah. You'd want to keep doing it. Yeah. 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 Although that being said, I love playing the cello, but there have been some traumatic moments in my past that, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, doesn't you, they don't stop me from playing the cello. No. Well, I guess that's the thing. Like, you know, you go to music college, which can be traumatic uh, <laughs> and, and stressful, uh, in order to become a cellist or, you know, a musician. And a lot of the winners of past winners of Bake Off have gone on to become professional bakers. So it's one of those things that if it doesn't break you, it'll definitely make you. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Mm, it's sort of like a, a, a several weeks version of music college degree. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Three years of music college condensed, condensed into, into eight weeks. weeks or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, horrific. I'm glad I'm not coming out of music college now, to be honest. This is a terrible time to be coming out of music college mm. and a terrible time to be starting at music college, I think. Yeah. I just wonder, though, it might be the kind of thing which leads to much more innovation in students coming out of music college and hopefully in the music colleges themselves um, because, you know, they tend to be geared towards for instrumentalist live performance mm-hmm. and a sort of fairly narrow method of delivery, the concert hall. Yeah. Um, and so it might just encourage the student, definitely the students, I think, and hopefully the, the colleges themselves to think more about, yeah, other ways to do things. Yeah, oh, I 100% agree. I mean, as I always say, I almost said mother is the necessity of invention. <laughs> no, that's not right. That's, Other way around. That's a Calvin that's and Hobbes. A Calvin and Hobbes yeah, that is a Calvin and Hobbes yeah, quote, yeah. When he it? tells some obvious line, he's like, mothers are the necessity of invention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mum's mad at him for something. Yeah, for not cleaning his room or something. Mm. Necessity. Necessity is, is the, the mother, mother of invention. invention. And obviously, you know, we can't be focusing so much on live performance these days. But that's true. I mean, like, if you're going into music college now and, you know, equipped with the right attitude... You still want to do it, even if it might break you, as we've been talking about. You'll find a way hmm. to make something happen. Yeah. I think, actually, one of the things that you learn at music college, even before coronavirus, is that there's definitely more than one way to make a living as a, as a musician. 
Do you think music college set you up for that? I think it helped. Okay. That's interesting. I, mean, I know for a lot of people it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on your individual experience in music college. But I think maybe actually it's because I'm a bass player. And I think music college tended, when I was there, tended to be, you know, all the violin players were like, oh, I'm going to be a soloist. <laughs> I'm going to be a soloist and I'm going to play in the Royal Albert Hall. Whereas as a bass player, I knew that that wasn't going to happen. I was sure. If I was going to get a job, I'd get a job in an orchestra. Right. And so I think that sort of early ex- exposure to different options, even if that's that's still a very limited sort of career path, yeah. uh, but that just set me up for being slightly more adaptable, sort of made me realize that there are other ways to do things. Yeah. Like teaching cello. Like teaching cello, exactly, exactly. No, absolutely. But, I mean, there definitely are people who come out of music college and they still think they're going to be a soloist, or there might be a bass player who think they're definitely going to get a job in the next year or two out of music college. Right. If they don't, they're a failure. But I think, and I would hope that this happens more in future, that music colleges are getting better. Hmm. Providing for the breadth of yeah. uh, different career options that you have. Because it's not just one thing, is it? I think that's why it's really important to hear lots of different stories of how people are making a living out of music. Because I know at some conservatoires, like um, like Trinity Laban, for example, they invite you know past alumni to come in and talk about what they do. And, and it's really varied, you know. And it's, it's just so important to come out of music college and be aware of those things because like for me as a cellist I think it was a little bit different for me like I, I definitely knew the, there were options like orchestra chamber music uh, soloist wasn't really quite uh, down the avenue I was <laughs> I was heading but uh, yeah I mean I, I didn't really know that much about freelancing at all really you know I kind of wish that I'd spoken to more people when I lived in Sydney it wasn't until I got to London and you know, London's like this massive melting pot of all sorts of people making things possible. Yeah. That I realised that you can do you can do anything, really. I think that's one of the disadvantages of coming from somewhere as small as New Zealand, where there's not many orchestras and there's not much in the way of freelance work. Mm. Tends to be a sort of a small group of people who get all the work. Yeah, and they do um, everything. And yeah, they go yeah, mental. They <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Whereas you come to somewhere like London, or I'm sure like any other major sort of international metropolis new york uh berlin wherever you have the exposure to so many different avenues of of making a living as a musician yeah and then you can find the one that you want to do yeah and that way everything is special isn't it this is what i quite like about living in london in bc times i mean i have to say i quite like london still now because it's quiet and we're very lucky that we're living in a nice place but in bc times i enjoyed the variety for sure Definitely. Like one week will be a really busy teaching week with school concerts and stuff like that. And then the next week you'd be on tour. And it did drive me a little bit crazy sometimes making sure that I could come back to school to teach from Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Texting your student, my train's leaving late. (laughs) Your lesson's in four hours, but it'll be about 20 minutes late. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like those those moments, they just made me think that anything was possible, really. Yeah. And I, I do miss that kind of thrilling lifestyle but I do feel like my capacity for that has just completely gone out the window (laughs) (laughs) I had to get on a train today I know yeah (laughs) it used to be that you'd do four different things in a day whereas now I'll do one thing in a day I'll teach four students and then come home and be absolutely knackered yeah yep (coughs) a bit of a cough aren't you yeah 
so much speaking. Well, it's not a persistent cough, is it? It's not persistent, and it's a little bit phlegmy. Okay. Which I think is... <laughs> I think I'm, hope I'm safe. Do you not get phlegm if... Dry cough. Oh, dry, persistent cough. Okay. I think, yeah, the variety is one thing that I've missed um, since going to lockdown in March. Mm. One of the things I really enjoyed about freelancing was doing lots and lots of different things. Yeah. As you said, teaching one day, playing the next day, and also, especially like with playing... As a freelancer, you're playing with different people all the time. Yeah. You're seeing people all the time. And that's what has been such a shock since March. Exactly. And that's why I think we've had to make more of an effort to stay connected to our friends. <laughs> uh, not just because we can't physically see them, but also because I think being a freelancer or orchestral musician, uh, work is social mm. as well. Yeah. You know, your social life and your work life are mixed. You might do a gig, uh, a session or something, see someone that you haven't seen for a month, and then you can catch up. Yeah. And you get there early enough, you catch up, you have, a, you have lunch with them. Go to the pub afterwards. Yeah, go to the pub afterwards, exactly. Yeah. And so not having that regular contact with a variety of people means that you've had to make much more of an effort. And I think at times it has felt isolating um, not seeing them in the flesh. But I mean, you know, we just have to hope it's temporary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we'll, we'll, we've got things to look forward to, at least. Yeah, it's making that effort to reach out to people that you would have inevitably bumped into at a gig at some point. Mm. But nothing like that's inevitable no, anymore. not anymore. You know, you have to make it happen. Definitely have to make more of an effort. Oh, like that Zoom party we went to last night. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets Zoom fatigue. Yeah, exactly. And actually, yeah, I know. I had a few uh, of my kind of like teacher groups who have been doing uh, quizzes every Friday night. Which I definitely understand that there's a need for that connection, but also I find after spending five hours teaching on Zoom in a day, the last thing I want to do is go spend another few hours doing a quiz on Zoom. <laughs> hey, you look like you've been teaching for five hours. Fancy using your brain now? <laughs> Fancy staring at a screen? <laughs> the first few were great. I did enjoy them. Yeah. Um, but also I think it's it just became a bit much after a while. And also because I know that some of those quizzes went on for quite a long time. Like, there were hours long. Some of them wouldn't start till like 8.30 at night and then... Still be going at like midnight? Yeah, something, something like that. Oh. There was one where we got to about 11.45 and we were on round 4 out of 10. Oh, you would have been And I was really night? grumpy because it had been a sports round and I don't know anything about sports and I got none of the answers right. Oh. So um, my laptop ran out of battery, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh, terrible laptop. <laughs> I forgot to plug it in. Yeah, Blast. I've definitely heard of things like that happening when, like, you know, you have, have the uh, the computer fail. Oh, sorry. My sound's just... Uh, the Wi-Fi's just, cut out. Uh, uh, again. I'll, I'll, I'll call you back when it's back on. <laughs> Although there was one time when I was teaching here online and you switched the electricity off in the entire flat. I did. Why did you do that? Let me first say that it was an accident. Right. Okay. But why was that? Why, why, did, it, why did it happen? It's because the fuse box is in the cupboard and I was trying to put another a cardboard box in the cupboard and the fuses all got hit. <laughs> it was just like, I laugh about it now, but at the time I was just like, what on earth? <laughs> there probably were better times that I could have chosen to faff about with yeah. the boxes in the cupboard. <laughs> just, I mean, I was very lucky that the... Um, the student's mum was very understanding. She's hmm. like, don't worry, we're all stacked up against it right now. <laughs> <laughs> My husband has just turned the electricity off well, in the entire flat. See, now you've got an excuse to leave a Zoom meeting you don't want to be in. Husband's just turned the electricity off. 
Right. Sure. Yeah. How many times can I use that, though? <laughs> Just send me a text and I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. We'll have a secret knock or something. Yeah. Twice like a barn owl if you want the electricity off. <laughs> Still keeps playing F sharps at a C major scale. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Oh, the electricity's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, teaching. We could start another whole podcast about whole podcast. just teaching throughout the pandemic, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> What else have you been doing this year to keep yourself busy? Everyone has been indulging in various hobbies. As I mentioned many times before, I have been delving into vegetable gardening, mm. as you know. Mm-hmm. Very good courgettes. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Yeah, you really like the flowers, don't you? I'd never had a courgette flower in my life. Mm. And now I love them. Yeah. Lightly fried courgette flower. They were mm. really good. It's really hard to describe what they taste like. but Kind of sweet and savory. Which is something I normally don't go in for. Oh yeah, yeah, no, you're sweet and sweet and salty popcorn is is the devil's work. And you're also in the anti pineapple on pizza camp. That's true. I am in the anti pineapple on pizza camp. Whereas I am not. I like sweet things and I like savoury things, but I don't like to mix them. <laughs> so I can understand how the concept of a mincemeat pie really confused <laughs> you. As me a child. Child. Maybe that's the root of it all. <laughs> mm, it's deliciously sweet hamburger pie. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes, hamburger and a sugary crust. Tell me about something that you've been doing this year to keep yourself busy. Mostly just hanging out with the cat, I think, <laughs> has been my main activity. More, Yeah, more with the cat than with me. Probably. Probably. Because we have to be busy at different times. We can't. That's right. We can't teach at the same time because we've only got, uh, this is a one-bedroom flat, so we've, we can only teach in the living room. Yeah, can't have two lessons in the same room going <laughs> on at the same time. And before coronavirus times, it was always, oh, can I use the car this day? Don't use the car anymore. So it's always, can I use the living room on this day? Yeah. That's the only weird. thing we have to coordinate now is, is living room usage. Yeah. And that was fine timing on our- uh, Buying a new car right yeah. before the pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nailed got it. A- Beautiful new car after it died last after January. After the previous car died, yeah. But that's the thing. I think like our lives did sort of fall apart in January earlier this year with hmm. the property purchase that fell through and then the car dying and then being temporarily homeless for about three weeks. But I'm just very grateful that we got that all sorted out before March. That's true. Because it would have been quite difficult been to weather the storm otherwise. Horrendous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, lots of cat times. Put some photos up on on the internet yeah. of the cat. Yeah. So you you were quite prolific with your cat posting. You developed a thing called Daily Romeo. Yeah. I thought it might last like a week or something. I thought the world needs more cats. Facebook needs more cats. Yeah. And so I posted a photo of the cat and just said, "Please comment with your own cat photos or <laughs> other pet photos," and got like so many replies. Yeah. It was so nice. So many nice cats I and know. some nice dogs. Oh yeah. And a few other little. Things. What do we see? We saw some turtles, chinchillas, a few bunnies. Yeah. The odd horse, weirdly. Really? Oh. Uh, but yeah, I thought I might just do it for a few days and then uh, just didn't stop for a while. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, you did a hundred in a, a row, and yeah. then it got converted to occasional. Occasional. Row, yeah. I do them sometimes now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah when I when I get a particularly good photo. Yeah. 
I think. Of which there are many. Of which there are many. About 3,000, I think, in my Romeo folder on my phone. <laughs> I think I had a similar number of Romeo photos on my phone at one point, and like 10 photos of you. Yeah. <laughs> Romeo folder, 3,000. Mark folder, 10. 10. <laughs> but it was really nice. Yeah. Because uh, there were some regulars who commented every single day, and that was really nice. Just to kind of get to know people and their cats better than I knew them before. <laughs> cats are a bit of an icebreaker, though, aren't they? Yeah. You know, like if, if you have a common love of cats, yeah. then you can you can be friends. The small furry things in general. Yeah. The yeah. cats will not be friends. The cats will absolutely not be friends. Because how dare they? Yes. Um, but I think it's what our circle of friends needed. I think so. At the time. Because it did get a lot of responses. Sometimes you'd have like 30-odd cat photos. Yeah. On the one, you know, as comments on my one. Uh, and from all around the world as well. Yeah, that's right. Like my mum would Usually your mum would be the last one the last to post, one. so I'd wake up the next morning after I'd posted it and be like, ooh, <laughs> Davina's mum sent a photo of the cat. And there'd be Gus showing us oh, a belly or something. Oh, lovely Gus. <laughs> oh. Um, but yeah, I do remember then you posted a picture on Romeo's birthday and he got so many happy birthday wishes. He got more happy birthday wishes than I usually do. <laughs> I think Romeo's <laughs> probably more popular than either one of us. Can't blame him, really. <laughs> he is the assistant producer. He is a good boy. He is such a good boy. I think lockdown would have been very different without the cat. I mean, as as much as I love you, <laughs> hanging out with you. But Speak like, very carefully. But here. there is something about having that animal energy in the house. Just a little furry creature, just does its own thing, has a bit of a spaz, yep. runs around like crazy. Has it got your ankles? You know, has to sleep it off for six hours, which I think he's doing right now. Yeah. Goes outside, has a standoff with the neighbor cats, <laughs> comes back in and tells you about how brave he's been. Yeah, comes back all wet and then decides to uh, stand all over your laptop. Muddy paw prints. God. Oh, yes. Who left those muddy paw prints on the sink? <laughs> it wasn't me. Who was it? <laughs> he's so naughty. Yeah, no, it's been good having him around. Yeah. Um, it's a good companion. Yeah, good companion, good distraction. <laughs> Sometimes um, too much of a distraction. As, that's true. Sometimes as, I don't get stuff done. As Violetta, Violetta Vici, who featured in a previous episode, said, how do you get any work done? Because his face is just so beautiful. <laughs> Me or the cat? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's he's been a good lockdown buddy. As have I. <laughs> no. <laughs> as has my lovely wife. <laughs> <laughs> My wife. I'm just going to have another bite of this mince pie. Yeah, I think I might have a little nibble. Nibble. Little mince pie break. These are good mince pies. They are really nice. I didn't enjoy them until I got to the UK. It's definitely a climate thing. I never really ate them that much. I mean, I knew they were around, but like, it was just never such a big thing. I mean, that is the difference between Christmas here and Christmas in, in New Zealand and Australia. It's usually pretty warm on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is why the whole sort of cultural aesthetic of Christmas is quite weird when you grow up in New Zealand because why would you put on fur when it's 30 degrees outside? Yeah, exactly. And uh, why would you want to eat this quite stodgy pudding tart thing mm. when it's 30 degrees outside? Let's have a hot oven on all day and cook a turkey. <laughs> but I think like <laughs> for us, it's less weird coming over here to the Northern Hemisphere. More weird for Northern Hemispheres to go to the Southern Hemisphere. And they're like, this isn't right. It's beautiful and and warm and pleasant. I'm supposed to be miserable (laughs) and cold. supposed to be miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Christmas. What's that? Uh, Yeah, no, but that's, I think, part of the culture, you know, sort of Western Christmas culture is so Mm. um, Northern Hemisphere-centric. Yeah. Uh, So that's why you have Santa Claus who rides a sleigh. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. with snow runners on it you know um, yeah i think that's really that's a really funny thing isn't it because imagery is really mixed up yeah in the southern hemisphere you that's see true. that and you see like christmas cards with red robins and you're like what's a red robin why 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 <laughs> never seen one of those no does that got to do with christmas <laughs> you know but then you also see the you know, traditional things that new zealanders have made for themselves like <laughs> santa wearing shorts at the beach or whatever yeah. or like the New Zealand Twelve Days of Christmas with a poo kicker and a ponga tree. Oh yes, of course, mm. with the native native birds, native, native birds. trees. Yeah, um, things like that. Yeah, you know, barbecue on Christmas Day, Dad wearing a Santa hat, mm. that kind of thing. I think it was Christmas for me a few years ago that I realised that this was back in the Southern Hemisphere, so a long time ago now because I haven't done that for ages. But it must have been when I was a teenager at some point. It was. Christmas that I realized that you could put fruit in a salad. Ah. You would hate that, actually. <laughs> no, I, I, I do quite like fruit in a salad, mm-hmm. I think, depending on the salad <laughs> and what else is in it. But like, that's probably something I wouldn't come across if I'd grown up. I mean, I'm speaking very generally here, but if I'd grown up in a northern hemisphere Christmas, mm. probably wouldn't be having salads at Christmas time. No. But in, in summer, you would. You want a nice crisp salad to go mm-hmm. with your main course, whatever. Add a couple slices of mango to your salad leaves. <laughs> it's really nice. It's good. No, like pear salad, is that a thing? Yeah, that can be a thing. Yep. Yep. Mango, um, though. Nothing beats mango. It's one thing I do miss about living in the Southern Hemisphere is mango. Mangoes. You can get mangoes here, but the ones I've had have never been great. They've been crunchy. They're crunchy. Yeah, mm. mango shouldn't be crunchy. It should no. be like slimy in a really good way. Yeah, melt in your it mouth. Melt in your mouth. <laughs> I remember in Sydney, you used to make like smoothies all the time with mangoes. Yeah. Because you just get them from Paddy's Markets. <laughs> you can get them everywhere. You can get them everywhere, and they're cheap as chips. Cheap as um, chips. Whereas most of the ones here come from, like, the Southern Hemisphere and have been frozen for the last yeah. however long it takes to get them here. Never bought a mango here. Just It's just appeared in M&S fruit mm. salads, and I've been like, oh, this is <laughs> I guess I better eat this now then, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, who knows when we'll have a Southern Hemisphere Christmas again. I know. Last one would have been 2014. Yeah. So last one, last time we went back for Christmas. Yeah, that was ages ago. I think it was, even though I was back in New Zealand, it was still very, very small for me. So I've, I've never really done a huge Christmas, like as we were saying before. No, yeah, the German yeah. one was the, the first time. Probably the <laughs> like biggest. Like a massive family Christmas. <laughs> like as yeah. we were saying before, like Christmas is like having a wedding every single year. Yeah. But um, yeah, for me, it was my mum, my middle sister, and her husband. Oh, and my nephew, who was really little then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's when he, yeah, he was a baby. Yeah, he was six He was months a few months old. Yeah. yeah. Really tiny. So um, yeah, little Christmases. I think maybe if you're used to having a wedding size Christmas every single year, then this Christmas is going to take a bit of getting used to, but I think you'll still I'd, enjoy it. I'd encourage you to embrace it. I mean, I think a, a lot of people think it has to be massive family-oriented or it's not Christmas. Yeah, there are lots of really nice things about having just a chilled, quiet mm. Christmas with just a couple other people. It does make things simpler. You know, it you, does make you, the you logistics simpler. You don't have to worry about, like, how many people you're going to feed. Is the turkey going to cook through? Because we bought the biggest one to feed the entire crew. Which family are we going to go to? You know, lunch at the in-laws, dinner with these people, Mm. and the politics involved with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to say something terrible? (laughs) Who's going to bring up family scandals from the past? Who's going to bring up a racist remark? Exactly. (laughs) Who's going to get drunk way too soon? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, embrace the sort of chilled out mentality. Yeah. Even though it's a little bit different from what you might be used to this year, it's still some good stuff, I think. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that if you do it right, you might even decide to do it next year. Yeah. More mince pies for yourself. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to worry about somebody else eating them all. Yeah. So let's wrap things up now because I've run out of mulled wine. <laughs> so for Time for a refill, I think. Exactly. I also just shoved the last bit of my mince pie in my mouth. Yeah. So thanks, Mark, for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Didn't have to go far. No, and it's probably logistically one of the easier podcast episodes I've had to do. Well, for a start, it's very refreshing to do a podcast episode face-to-face, but not having to worry about, like, ooh, stay away from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a different household. Don't spit on the mic. Yeah, and also you're not on Zoom, so. (laughs) (laughs) Zoom conversation could be another whole podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Feels quite strange to be asking you this, but where can people find out more about you? (laughs) (laughs) If you would like that. (laughs) I mean, I don't really have any public stuff that I do apart from concerts that I used to do, which I don't do anymore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Add me on Facebook. Okay. And then you will see lots of pictures of Romeo. Yeah. If you scroll back through my timeline, you'll see 100 photos of Romeo plus some occasional ones that I put out. Yeah, you won't be disappointed because Romeo never fails to disappoint. And then there's also a whole lot of other cats that we've become this very familiar with that also do not fail to disappoint. So. There must be hundreds of cat photos on my timeline now. Many hundreds. Mm-hmm. Crazy cat man. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Can you just read this out, please? That's it for today. Special thanks to Roz Nagy for the logo and Daniel Elms for the jingle. Huge thanks to... Me. And as always, thank you for listening. Do get in touch at as it comes podcast at gmail.com. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at as it comes pod to keep up to date with the podcast and with assistant producer Romeo. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for spreading the word. Take care and goodbye. Bye. Thanks for that, Mark. No dramas. <laughs> Very well read. <laughs> Bye. Have a wonderful Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. Bye. What's, what have you done? I need to, if I want to record two different tracks at the same time, I have to enable them to both record. Otherwise, it will just do one at a time. Ah, and that would be awkward after we'd finished the podcast if I hadn't <laughs> recorded any of me or any of you. <laughs> this is a monologue. <laughs>